Hello, and welcome to Conversations Between Widows. I am one of the co-hosts, Tanya Wilson. And I'm your other co-host, LaSharma Jefferson. And we're bringing you weekly conversations about our widow journey. Our purpose is to provide our listeners with a window seat into how two young women who became widows too soon are navigating life after their loss. Our goal is to provide another support system to other widows on the same journey to help them feel less alone. You'll laugh, you'll cry, and shake your head profusely in agreement to what Tanya and I and our guests are talking about. So come on in and enjoy the conversation. How are you? <laughs> Physically, I'm good. Mentally, it, you know. It's questionable. I've been, yeah, I've been <laughs> mentally going through, you know, some challenges, but I'm working with it, you know, noticing when it happens and identifying it when it does happen and feeling those feelings and letting it go has really helped me because before I would just probably spiral, but mm. I am. Really, really good. I did enjoy the hot weather we had. I know. That was a good two days. Oh, God. So when it hits 80, I was just like, In heaven. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I said my Whitney Houston moment. Well, always. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh-uh, that's my girl. That's my girl, Whitney. You can't go wrong with that. Yes, uh-huh. and that that's I just love when it just gets hot, you know what I'm saying? It gives yeah. me that hot time, that hot because you know, that just makes me happy. I think yeah. sun makes me happy. I just can't wait until we get it, you know, consistently. <laughs> I was yeah. very appreciative of the warm weather. I was actually um in Saginaw over the weekend for um my son's uh bowling tournament as well mm-hmm. as his 18th birthday. I no longer have Minor children. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm celebrating. Oh, reaching that milestone. <laughs> yes, and it's it's so surreal. It's just, oh my gosh, I cannot believe my last child is 18. It's yeah. like I swear, my age has just been like a shocker to me. Like I think, like after 40. Mm-hmm. Maybe after like 42 or something, it's just like, I'm like, I can't believe I'm this age. You know, I, I find myself continuing to say that when I think about 46 and I think about, you know, being so close to 50, I'm definitely appreciative, you know, of life and looking forward to, you know, everything coming because I truly can say, you know, I understand now, like when I was in my 20s and I was working alongside women who were in their 40s and they were looking mm-hmm. fly let me tell you you were working at AT&T and it was like I was like oh this is what I have to look forward to you know with aging you know they still look great and they were still vibrant you know so I can appreciate that part of aging but it's still just something that's um you know just makes you think you know the, mm-hmm. the older that you're getting you know because unfortunately we do have to look at the fact that we have more time you know, behind us than we do ahead of us, you know, unless the Lord plans on giving us another 30, 40 years or something. But as far as like being able to really 
do things and make some things happen with your life, it's like, okay, well, hey, I'm almost 50. And I, I my, when my niece says that to me, I tell her, no, I'm almost 47. Yes. <laughs> I'm, ta- I'm taking it one year yes, at a time. Slow it down. Slow yes. it down. But, but, in, but listen, but in the back of my head, I do see that 50. And I'm like, wow. I'm like, you know, because you just don't feel it. You know, the way life happens, you just don't feel that so much time has gone by, especially when you've been busy raising kids and, in my case, you know, taking care of my husband and you, I just went through so much in such a short period of time. It's like the time just seemed to have flown by before my eyes. And it's like, oh my gosh, 46. When did this happen? You know, but I just can't wait until, you know, the weather gets good consistently so I can um, permanently remove the winter clothes from my closet and put my boots away. But, you know, here in Michigan, we never know. We're not really safe until we get to like (laughs) mid-May sometime that you might be able to put them Ugg boots away. But right now, I have to keep them. No, Close we, by. Had, we had snow <laughs> Monday and then midweek it was spring and then it was summer. I know. We're <laughs> and like, that, whoa. And that was all in five days. Like, <laughs> oh, because it was literally snowing like three inches, not no. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah. I was sitting at work. I was sitting at work looking out the window. Look, I'm sitting at work looking out the window. Like, it's like really snowing. Because when I came into work, it was mm-hmm. just kind of like a rain snow. So I'm thinking, oh, this is not going to stick. It's just going to hit the ground and melt. But the longer I sat there and gazed out that window, (laughs) it was like, this snow is really coming down and it is sticking on the grass. It was like, it's like we were, we were, um, we wind it back to like February or something. Yes. And which was, to me, it was triggering because I was like, oh no, we can't (laughs) be going back. We only, we only moving forward. At this point, I I refuse to go back. <laughs> wow. I'm going back. <laughs> well, you know what? That's actually a good segue in, into our topic today when you talk about we want to move forward. We don't want to go backwards. Mm-hmm. And so we are talking about the awesome, fantastic book by Judge Faith Jenkins. Sis, yes. don't settle. How, yeah. to be, how to be smart in matters of the heart. Mm. Now, I'm going to tell you what's interesting about how I came across this book. (laughs) Yeah, because this was one of your recommendations. Yes, I'm going to tell you. My mother, let me tell you, she wanted me to have this book. And it's funny because I know how bad she wanted me to have it because I was talking to my sister around the holidays and she was saying, that my mother, because my mother don't like to do a lot of driving too much, you know, to areas that are really congested with traffic. So I guess the only local bookstore in the area that had this bookstore was like um, in the Fairlane Green area. You know, you got to go up the hill and my mother does not do well in that kind of traffic. So she wanted my sister (laughs) to go and get this book. So I knew my mom was getting me a book. I just didn't know what it was. And I think, oh, I wonder what the book is that she, that she really wants me to have. Mm-hmm. So imagine my surprise when I get the book and I'm like, how to be smart in matters of the heart. I said, what mama trying to say? 
I like a mama trying to say, get it, get it together, girl. Get it together in your love life. That's kind of how, you know, I, I took it. I was like, wow, is my mother giving me a message here? But because she normally is not very like vocal, you know, about my love life or the choices, the choice of men, you know, that I have. But, you know, maybe she was just thinking, you know, hey, you know, you're a willow woman now, you know, you're out here, you know, you're, you're dating again. Maybe she just wanted me to read this book and go about things a different way, you right. know. So I was slow to get to reading the book. And um, but once I got into it, yeah, like I do with most um nonfiction books that you know it comes with such heavy hitting um mm-hmm. information and things like for me that I really have to reflect on. I can't read most fiction books if it's well written and if I'm really feeling it, I have to like read it, close it up, and I have to reflect. <laughs> I gotta reflect <laughs> on what I'm getting from that book. I might have to do a couple of journal entries and be like, okay. And so, yes, girl, I got to get it together um, from the inside out. But as I was reading that book, I found myself just so grateful that she recommended that book to me because that wouldn't not, I don't think I would have picked it up if I I saw it myself. (laughs) I know I would have not. In this season of things, I might have did that once I came out of my drought, but (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I would have picked it up, but I was telling you, because some of those things were triggering. I said, girl, you gotta, (laughs) because you had, like you said, you had put it down. I was like, I finished it, but it was very triggering, (laughs) because it was times where a tear flew, you know, had went down my, my cheek. Yeah, I mean, you know what? It was it was triggering for me too, but for me, it was triggering in good ways. And because she, it's like I feel like I've read a lot of you know, um, you know, relationship books over the years, and um, sometimes you can identify with the person that's writing it. Sometimes you know. You really can't, you know, you feel like you read and I'm like, oh, this don't really apply to me. No, I don't really do this. You know, but when I was, the way that Faith wrote this book and the audience that she wrote it to, I felt mm-hmm. like I was really there. It's not just, it's for all women, but I think right. it is for, it's particularly for women who excel in so many other areas of their lives. You know, they got their gym schedule down. You know, they've switched to vegan or they're vegetarian. You know, they keep their homes immaculate. You know, they're clean freaks. They do that. They're great cooks. They're great mothers. You know, they're educated. They're doing well in their careers. But then when it comes to the love life, you know, like you keep making the same mistake because it's really difficult for women like that, you know, where you kind of have it all together. Women like that aren't necessarily looking for, you know, the traditional things that women like from the past were looking for. You know, if if you had your own household, you might not be looking for a man to, you know, head your household or, or, you know, like take over and have such a strong personality. You might not think you're looking for that, but it's a way that you can still get it. But you kind of have to adjust some things in your personality and how you normally, um, you know, expect things and still get the relationship that you want, you know, because like I'm a very strong minded person. 
I feel like even though I've been married, been married, divorced, now widowed, even in my marriages, I feel that I have always been the head of my household. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And and that's is very strange to say, but I remember my ex-husband, he would always say, and this is when I was young, he would always be like, Yeah, or he would when he talks to my daughter, like, yeah, your mama controlling. She she controlling, you can't tell her nothing. And when I was reading the things on Facebook, it really made me reflect on some things like from my past, you know, things that you see growing up. And I know that because of how my family structure. When I was growing up, I remember as a teenager, when I would think about wanting to get married and wanting to have kids, I always knew that I was going to be that working woman that was kind of juggling, you know, things. And I kind of always imagined myself as handling my business, not necessarily wanting to depend on a man. But on the inside, there's still that woman inside of you that wants to be able to depend on the man. And that has to, you have to then come to a place of being vulnerable. I've been afraid Mm -hmm. to be vulnerable. And so when you're afraid to be vulnerable, that also affects, you know, the type of men that you are choosing to be in relationships with. You know, so I I just took a lot away from that book and... (laughs) I was like, "Ooh, Faith, don't say it, girl. Don't tell me like that. Don't talk to me like that." Yeah, girl. she did. She she talked to you like sister girl. Yeah, she like, was like sis. <laughs> yes, she reminded me of the lady that is on Instagram, and I will say her name, but I don't want to butcher it because I love her that much. But when she be like, "Bestie," she was like, "Bestie, bestie." Let me see a picture. Like she had one where the girl she had a scenario because everybody does a real scenario. So she did a scenario where the 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 woman might be in her bed um, upset or sad about this guy that didn't want her or rejected her. She's like, Bessie, let me see a picture. <laughs> no, Bessie, get up. Help, help <laughs> Yeah, so that's what Faith book. That's how she up. talked to us, yeah. Yeah, like you was a sister girl, like sister girl. Like I loved how she went about... Uh, Moving past petty. Because, <laughs> you know, you do go through some, you know, as you were dating or as in life with relationships, period, whether it be family relationships, friendly relationships, you do have that moment of pettiness. Even when I was telling you today, you know, earlier about a scenario I had with um, the tutor with Ox, I, I, the pettiness that I have right now is like, I don't, I don't even want to talk to you right now. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you just go through how to get past that petty and then how to understand that hurt people hurt people so like how you, that healing is so key because if that person never gets that healing they're gonna continue to hurt other people because they hurt people you know so they were hurt and how that can carry on in relationships so the book is a definitely a must like i said when it triggered me it was you know positive and negative I think the tears rolled down on the rejection because the rejection is my, that's the one that I, I'm still working on the reason why I'm in my drought because rejection hurts. And it yep. doesn't matter what kind it is. It, it hurts. It hurts in so many levels. Like I I can remember as far as going back um, to mi- middle school where I wanted to be on the cheer team through this dance group. Um, it was Lindy School of Dance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> dance school closed now, but and I didn't make the cheer team. But 
just to show you how God works in your favor, I didn't make the cheer team. However, I think two years or a year later, they needed extra girls. <laughs> and guess what they called? They called Tanya. And it, it was a struggle then in trying to keep up with the cheer routine. And then I was kind of, I was an anchor, I think, is the last person. So I was the beginner. So w- the routine I had to do resulted with five moves and then you land into a split. And I had to make sure that move was right. And girl, just the whole thing of me not being, you know, I didn't go out for a cheer team, so I was never on, you know, as they say, the official cheerleader, but you needed me because you had to have this amount of girls to do your competition and get right. through that side of rejection. Then you move further down where my, you know, my next rejection came is when I was in high, you know, going into high school, I wanted to go to uh, Renaissance and I didn't get in. Uh, you know what I'm saying? And me sitting there crying with my, you know, to my mom and she's like, it's okay. And then it turns out, you know, even with me going to Mumford, I still managed to graduate and go to Michigan State. You know what I'm saying? That didn't, that didn't stop me, you know? And then later in life, the other rejections, job rejections, mm-hmm. um, organization rejections, not getting in and stuff like that. Yeah. And, and how know. that works. And you still keep moving. And then the dating rejection, that that's the one that kind of lingers longer than the other ones because you're wondering what's wrong with me that he doesn't want me or she doesn't want me. And yeah. it's nothing. Sometimes it's them. And I like right. how she pointed that out. Yeah, that that was really good because um, we, um, like you said, nobody wants to be rejected. And when somebody chooses or doesn't choose us, the first thing that we do is look at ourselves. Oh, I'm not pretty enough. or I'm not thin Mm -hmm. enough. I'm not shapely enough. My boobs aren't big enough. All of this stuff. We always want to make it about ourselves. But each of us, you know, and it's really... um, it's really simplistic when you think about it because we have to think as women, how many men try to talk to us over the years that we haven't, we get, we haven't given them our number because we mm-hmm. just didn't want to. They weren't bad guys. How many have we ghosted and then realized? Right, exactly. <laughs> but then when it happens to us, when that man that we want chooses not to be with us, we mm-hmm. automatically start thinking about everything that we think is wrong with us that why they didn't choose us. Now, granted, we don't know. We haven't heard from the men. And I think rejection is just as hard for them, but we don't hear from them so much about how they feel after a rejection. You know, right. so I would actually, I don't think that men think about it in terms of like the physical. I don't think they think about their bodies like we think about our bodies. You know, whereas men, they might think about more like external things, you know, like about the kind of car they drive or you know, how much money they make. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm not balling enough for her. Or, oh, I don't have a sporty enough car for her. They might think about it in terms of that. But that's just me thinking, you know, until yeah. I have a conversation with the man that tells me differently. I don't I think, think they, it's like 50-50. I think 50/50? sometimes, yeah, they, they think more materialistic. Sometimes, sometimes they think more physical. Some are hung up on physical, you know, on their physique. But when their physique gets where they need to go, then they turn their nose up. I noticed that too. Yo, yeah, they turn their nose up like, oh, I, I work hard to get this way. You need to work just as hard too. Yeah. But I wanted to say something about the rejection. What Faith, I love the examples that she gave and mm-hmm. the rejection that she experienced in her life. 
and how it wound up being a setup, you know, for things. Um, it was a part in the book where she had, she might've applied for a job. It was a couple of things she applied for, but whatever it was, it was like, she didn't get that job. And then she Mm -hmm. said she had also had applied for, uh, like you mentioned, uh, organization she applied for membership into a sorority she wasn't selected for that but then when those things see, like, wait a second wait a second she found herself um presented with the opportunity to participate in the pageant which is yeah. how she became i forgot what her title was um, for the state that she uh, participated in but she mm-hmm. wound up winning that pageant which like led her to all these other opportunities So I like how she uses that as an example to say, hey, when one door closes, look at all the other doors that are open. You know what I'm saying? Like if she had had gotten into that sorority that she tried to get into, she may not have been open to that, that um, the pageant that wound up opening some other doors. And I think even one of her breakups that she had that she talked about later on in the book, Mm, as as a result of that breakup, because she was not in that relationship. She had time mm-hmm. to focus on other things. That's how she wound up getting the opportunity to be on the show, Judge Faith. You know what I'm yeah. saying? So it was like, man, that is such a wonderful perspective. And, and, if, we, and if, we looked, if we looked at our lives like that, we would probably see, okay, well, I'm not in this situation because this guy didn't want to be with me. But what have I been doing since that hasn't happened? You know what I'm saying? Like with your rejection, that mm-hmm. you might be thinking about. We have since started up our the podcast, you know, just having all these things going. And sometimes when our interest or our uh, passion is in somebody, it distracts us from the other things that we could be focusing on. And that is so true. Like, <laughs> like we said with faith in the organization, that was parallel to similar to what I was talking about. So uh, yeah, I, I was triggered when she said that then, to follow it up with the guy and, you know, the rejection piece. And then she said, you had to know with somebody, you know, you you can never assume because she assumed it was her that mm-hmm. she rejected her. And really, he didn't have no, he didn't have a, uh, what's it, a, a, a dress suit. shirt? Yeah, he didn't have a suit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, but I like how you said you focus on the rejection when you need to focus on what is it? It's something else that's supposed to be for me. That's meant for me. Mm-hmm. You know, because they're, they're actually yeah. doing you a favor. Like when they move themselves out of your way, mm-hmm. you're actually being saved because the last thing that you want to do is get connected with somebody that they want to be with you. They don't want to hurt your feelings, but then their heart and their head is not really into it because then they're not going to treat you as well as you want to be treated, you know, because they're kind of, okay, well, I'm going to date her for the time being, you know, but Mm -hmm. I'm going to be out here looking for what I really want, you know, but when they make that decision to go on about their way, now you are free, you know, Mm -hmm. to be available for that right person that comes into your life. And then, you know, like we read in the last book, that single on purpose book, Spend that time with yourself, you know, learn what you like. Try out some different restaurants. Like you, just because you don't have a boyfriend, you don't have to sit in the house and be like, oh, well, nobody's asking me out on a date. So I'm just going to sit in the house. It's like, no, get out there and live your life. Mm-hmm. Enjoy. You know what I'm saying? Because if you treat yourself well, then when that right man comes into your life, you'll already be accustomed, you know, to, to treating yourself to a certain standard. And then you're going to have that same expectation 
you know, of that person. You know, if you take yourself to five-star restaurants, it's like, uh, you can't come into my life and, and take me to, to the two-star restaurants all the time. You know what I mean? Right. It's like, uh, no, this is what I'm accustomed to. Yeah, so this is how I've been treating myself. I absolutely, I always agree with that's part of self-care, you know, is, you know, finding something that is, you know, something for you. And restaurants is one. And yeah, you know, at first it might suck to be by yourself, but you get a lot of perks going into the restaurant by yourself. <laughs> Sometimes yeah. they, you know, the waiter is more attentive and more friendlier when you're by yourself than it is with a group. They feel less intimidated. They mm-hmm. tend to do a little bit more. Like when I went to Imagine, was it Imagine 8? Yeah. Imagine mm-hmm. uh, something in Royal Oak. Very, you know, five-star, you know, five-course kind of meal place. It also kind of uh, mirrors Barton G. If you've ever been to Barton G in Miami or California, California, they both mirror each other with the kind of exotic um, display of how they bring out the food to you. And the guy was like, you here by yourself? I said, yeah. He went and got the little roses and put it on the little thing for me. I said, oh, that's what I'm talking about. Sometimes it just takes that little bit. And then over time, you'll find yourself like it's nothing for you to do something by yourself. Yeah. And I was married and doing stuff by myself sometimes. Like I was like when I went to pay with a twist (laughs) with my little cheese cracker and my wine. And that was actually my best painting with a twist to this day. Yeah, I bet. Because sometimes going to stuff by yourself is so freeing because when you involve, you know, multiple people, mm-hmm. you get so many opinions and, you know, you got all these different attitudes coming into it. And all of those things can affect the outcome of you enjoying yourself. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> and you know what's funny? So here's what's something I was thinking about. Now, I've always shoot probably for the last 10 plus year ever since i heard about this place um sybaris is what i call it no i call it sybaris <laughs> you call we it don't Sibaris, know that. so yeah we got yeah. i'm gonna have to call them and find out how do you pronounce this yeah but you know <laughs> right but they're they're uh they're hotels that feature like jacuzzis in mm-hmm. the room yeah. and uh there's also one that i found that they also have a steam room that's called the poolside room it has the steam room and the uh, jacuzzi in there now mm-hmm. i used to always want to do that right going back right. to my 20s early 30s but i'm kind of disappointed 40 46 year old Sherman is disappointed that she has been waiting for the right man the right relationship the right time to go and enjoy this. Like, why do we always have to have a romantic experience where like now I'm kind of feeling like, even though I am, I'm in a relationship right now, but Mm -hmm. now I have that mindset. Even if I was not with the person that I'm with, that would be something that I would challenge myself to go and do myself. Like why I can book this room and go and enjoy that jacuzzi room wake up and sit in that hot tub right in my room. Don't have to, you know, go out your hotel room to go downstairs and other people Mm -hmm. in the jacuzzi with you. I'm like, I would love to do that, you know, by myself. I think society makes you feel like you have to have somebody because I have been to that place. Mm -hmm. I I went to the one in Indiana and old did get it to me for my birthday. Mm -hmm. And we did have the big pool, like what you're saying, because literally... It y'all, looks y'all like a little house. 
Uh-huh. He had a big poo because he did about two, I'm going to say two to three breaststrokes. He was at the end. I said, hey, baby, you got to. It's like time to get out. It ain't the pool where you have to be up here swimming marathons. This is about, you know, this is supposed to be couples. (laughs) So you're going to swim and hit your head on this pool right here because it's not that long, but it's a pool, you know, it's big enough. And um, that one then had the mirror on the the ceiling. Uh oh. (laughs) I had uh my little routine, fell out the chair. That's a whole story, though. But. Yes, you that kind of place because you are you have it's like you have your own little home. You go into the place, no one has to bother you. You get, you know, your snacks and stuff. This could be uh you know, a personal right, you can go getaway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't but right, but, right, but, but they right, but they market it as a as a have this romantic getaway. Mm-hmm. It's I mean, I would even say girlfriends. I would even say you and your girlfriends could go and do something like that if you didn't right. want to just go by yourself. It could be a girl's day. You know, I'm just I'm just like, man, you just... And I think that's the beauty of getting older. The beauty of getting older is that you kind of throw out those inhibitions so much, you know, and you just are a little bit more free. And it probably has everything to do with that fact that yeah, I do have less years in front of me than what I have behind me. And it's like you recognize life is too short not to do things that you want to do. That's why it's solo vacations. If you want to travel, you don't have a partner to travel with. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's hard getting your girlfriends together to do stuff. But there are yeah. all kinds of travel groups out there that you can connect with so that you feel still safe. But you're going to do things that you want to do. You cannot always wait for people for their time, their money, and their mindset to be where yours is, to be able to go and do what you want to do. Like only one person is responsible for, you know, your happiness in life. And it's you. I wonder if there's a little travel group for our listeners. If you hear us, (laughs) if there's a little travel group, please tag it or send us a voice. Uh, message through anchor or tag it on our instagram at conversation or or, or just or just any you any know travels, any, any women's yeah. group you know would do you know because i think it's good even though you know doing things a part of the willow community is good too but you right. also want to you know re-immerse yourself you know into the the rest of the world as well you know like yes we're willows you know but that's only one part of us you know what i'm saying so i think it's good to intermingle you know with other women out there some of them are traveling because you know they're divorced they don't have their partner so Mm -hmm. you know we're we're traveling alone for very different reasons you know sometimes i say oh my girlfriends wasn't ready and i'm just gonna do this so you know you get to meet different people in different journeys, you know, in their life, you know. So. I wonder if, because I noticed too, because I was um, talking to um, a friend of mine that um, work at the daycare where Ox used to go to, Miss Tara, and Miss Tara was telling me, she said, girl, I went to Paris by myself. Mm. And she said that she usually, when she travels, she gets her own hotel room. Does that make oh. a difference too when you're traveling? Because, yeah. you know, when you get your own <laughs> hotel room, it is a difference in price. Yes, yes, but you know what? Mm-hmm. This might be worth it because then you're not sharing a room. There's the likelihood of anything um, 
popping off or any disagreements. About right. Yes. You just, just meet me down your, here at um, nine o'clock. Sure. Be, be in your room, you know, how you want to be in your room. Because I know when we're, when you're traveling on a budget, which, you know, most of us have to have a budget of some kind, we're always looking for ways to cut expenses, you know, and, and that is, it's very, um, that's what you should do. But at the same time, I think too, that's something that comes as we get older. You be like, mm-hmm. I don't want to, I don't want to share bed with, with my girlfriend. You know, it's like, if yeah. we can't have like something where we're in totally separate bedrooms, like a suite or something where one person in this room, the other person, in another room where you can have total privacy, because even though you're on a vacation and you're with your friends, you're still on a vacation. And it's okay to want some personal time within that vacation. You know what I'm saying? You might want to sit in your room and go to the balcony and and, and read a book. You know, while your girls, maybe they want to, you know, get their drink on, you know, have the music on. And, you know, you might not be in that space at that exact moment. And having your own room, um, either your own bedroom or your own room altogether, it just gives you the opportunity to enjoy the vacation individually and as a part of the group, you know? And when you're paying the costs, like I said, it's all about you taking the reins for the key to your happiness. And we can't worry about people, oh, you don't want to be in the room with us. Honey, it's not personal. Like, it's not personal. I just want to, you know, have my own space and I'm going to make it happen, you know, because we can afford many things. We can afford anything that we want to afford. There is a way to do it. You know what I mean? Even if that means you're planning this trip six months to a year from now, you know, you can afford to get a hotel room and pay that cost by yourself. Yeah, if you have children, you're paying for them, honey. That's the hotel room. Right, don't look what you call it, them broke, them broke best friends that we have to travel with. Yeah, yeah, my broke best friend, yeah. And I mean they be looking too, but he got, you know. Yeah, I got one of those too. Look, I I paid like for my son for his 18th birthday this weekend. He wanted to um have some of his friends come out, you know, because the bowling tournament was fell on his birthday. So he got this idea, you know, to have his friends come along. So Mm -hmm. I got them a room. And then I got a room. So that was paying for two rooms. And I really was like, son, like you do have a job, you know, but that was my birthday present to him. <laughs> yeah. That was the birthday present. And that's one thing I like, like when my daughter became of age and got in the working world, making good money. It's like, yeah, so when we go places, you know, sometimes she can treat her mama or sometimes, you know, we just pay for ourselves. So, but it's so nice, you know, when your kids get to that point where, you don't have to keep paying for everything because it, it is taxing. It is oh, taxing. And that's one is. of the things, like when I think about, you know, being a widow, I, I do understand why some people, like when they've been single for a very long time, it does get a little, you know, um, taxing, you know, on your pockets. Everything financially falls on your shoulders, you know, and it's a lot, you know, and sometimes you do want to get a partner to help out, you know, with life expenses. But like as Faith said in this book, like that cannot be your motivator for getting into a relationship, you know, because you want some help with the finances because the finances is only a mere factor in the relationship. There's so many other things that 
go into, you know, having a successful relationship. You got to be ready to go through the highs and the lows, you know? You need somebody that's going to be there, like, supporting you and your dreams that you have. You want to be able to talk to somebody. One thing I know she said, because going back to about the women, you know, who are about their business, successful Mm -hmm. in their careers and things like that, you want somebody who is not going to be, like, turning their nose at you or acting like you're getting a big head because you got this promotion or you got a raise. It's like you want somebody that's going to celebrate your accomplishments, you know, you should be able to let them know, yes, I'm, you know, I'm up for this promotion. They should be your biggest cheerleader, you know, yeah. not trying to rain on your parade. So another part of the book, which she addresses from the beginning is kind of writing out, what do you bring to a relationship as a woman? Yeah. And then after you write down what you bring to a relationship, your values of yourself, then you write down, what is it that you want from a partner? And I know when Mm -hmm. I used to do that years ago, (laughs) I really didn't get very detailed with it. You know, like I always wanted, you know, someone that was a God-fearing person. Um, But now you got to get specific. Like you can't just say, okay, I want a a person that's in the same religion as me. You might want somebody, like if you go to church every Sunday, that might be what you want. You, You don't just want somebody to say, okay, yeah, I believe in God. I I was baptized when I was five. (laughs) If it's important to you that you share your faith with someone and you all are, you know, on the same level spiritually, that has to be something that you put on your list that is important. Because if you don't have that, you can be unhappy in that relationship. Because I know when I was with my husband, he was he was a Christian. He was raised in the church. But at the time we got together, I wasn't actively going to church at that time. I think I started going to church maybe about a year or two after we started dating, but he Mm -hmm. never really got into going with me. And it got to the point, especially when he got sick, because I got really involved in church, like leadership position on the church. And so I was always going and I didn't like that he didn't go with me, but that wasn't anything that I said was important to me at the start of our relationship. You know what I'm saying? Whereas now, you know, knowing that I need to be specific and I need to be honest with myself and that takes, it takes reflection. So like when you're writing out, what do you want in a relationship? You kind of have to think beyond now, because even right now, Mm -hmm. I don't currently go to church every Sunday. I haven't been to physical church since right before the pandemic happened. But knowing myself, I know that at any given time, I can choose to get back in church. I may get back in leadership in the church. So I want somebody who is also going to like have that flexibility. You know, they don't have to go to church with me every Sunday, you know, but I do want somebody that would. You want somebody to yeah, share that. Exactly. That would like to share that experience and belief because um, that goes back to something Faith said. And I wrote down, um, can you stand the rain? Um, mm-hmm. If you know the new edition song, mm-hmm. um, if you listen to the lyrics, that was my husband's favorite song. But listening to those lyrics, it kind of tells you, you know, somebody can be great when the good things are happening, when the great things are happening. Mm-hmm. It's when you need that chat when that challenge comes. Yeah, you know, what would you do? Like you said, that's where your prayer life comes in. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? And that's where, it, you know, it pushes you through. Now, you're supposed to be praying every, you know, all the time, not just come to God when it's bad, just come to, you know, 
You're supposed to go to him when it's good, but when it's bad, that's where your faith, your hope, you know, having faith because you can't, you don't know what the outcome is going to be. Yeah, all that comes in, there, and I can see you said, you know, why you said you want somebody to share the spirits because it's a good spirit to, you know, share in having that joy, having that faith, and it also to me would help strengthen that relationship too because that's where most relationships fall apart when a challenge is presented. Yeah, and you know what's funny, what's I, what's ironic is that that song, you know, was sang by New Edition, you know, a group mm-hmm. of men, right? Because right. men and women, we want different things from relationships. And I know I can say, like, especially women, when we first start dating, mm-hmm. we oftentimes, and I, I'll speak for myself, I be want, I want the fun stuff. You know what I'm saying? I be like, <laughs> Let's, I want to go out. I want to have fun like let's go out Mm -hmm. to the comedy shows let's go to you know the movies let's go just have fun together right but we know that life is not all about fun you know like when I tell my my son and when he's working and stuff I'm like we don't just work just for our fun the money that we make when we work it is for taking care of ourselves it's for responsibilities that's how God set it up you know, so when you get into relationships, we can't get so bogged down with the fun stuff. And the men mm-hmm. kind of know that. That's why men, what they value in a woman, the thing that they value in a woman is somebody that they know has their back. Like right. if something happens to them, they don't just want a woman that's going to be there when they got a pocket full of money and they can wine and dine them. Because that's easy. It's easy to love somebody when they're doing all of that for you. But what mm-hmm. happens when they can't do it anymore? If they go through a struggle, they need a woman. They want a woman that's going to still be there for them. And not all of a sudden, now we calling you a no good, you know what, because <laughs> they can't give you the stuff that they were giving you early on. Right. Yeah. I so we, we have just as much responsibility in relationships, like exactly what we want, what we want, but we also have to think about our partner is also going to have needs. And what kind of person are you going to be in this relationship? You like, you like to say, Tanya, are you going to be a we person or a me or person? A me. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I agree. Everybody should ask that question at one point. If you, mm-hmm. Is this we or me? And you see where our chips fly, you know, fall and we need to, oh, and we need to have important conversations. I don't know if I have brought this up um, on our podcast before, but I was reading another book. Um, it was a part of my sorority book club, and it was mm. a fiction book. It was called uh, Grace Changes Everything. And this pastor, uh, he was a single man. He started dating, you know, a single woman in the church. And one of the things that he would do, like when they would be going on their dates, he was asking these very thought-provoking questions. You know, when they would go on their dates to find out like about her character and he would answer these questions too. you know, asking someone like, "Okay, if you had the choice between like the body that you have now, let's say they were 35 or something, your your body Mm -hmm. at 35 versus your your health or something like which one is more valuable to you? You know, and so those are like good type of questions to ask people because it's not just a yes or no. Mm-hmm. It's something that they actually have to think about. So we need to ask people like scenario type questions when we're getting yeah. to know them because sometimes when you ask just a simple yes or no question, you don't really, you're not really getting 
the whole totality of what their thought process is, you know, because you, you got to ask people nowadays. I mean, what if I if I got sick? What what type of person are you going to be? You know, are, are you going to be able to be a caregiver for me? Because sometimes we people get what you thinking. Hey, I might get sick. I need a good woman to take care of me. Well, hello, sickness goes both ways. If I get sick as the woman, I need a man that's going to be able to take care of me, not just, you know, put it off on my kids. Oh, well, she and got, that, that's, she got that's kids. A, <laughs> that's another trigger because the caregiving piece is so, is so important, especially if you are in a marriage. Um, I remember one of my, I ain't going to say my first boyfriend, this had to be the second one. He said, if, you know, if I was to become paralyzed, would you stay? I said, I would. He said, I probably will, and in his way of not mm. saying he would want to move on, he said, "I probably would want you to move on because I don't know if I would stay." Oh, we doing that, and I thought that was key, and I hope he has changed since he has entered into a marriage because that is key. That is part of the vow. You don't know what sickness might come along. You don't know what. You will hope and pray that you stay healthy mm-hmm. forever throughout the whole marriage. Yeah, you know but right. Sickness can happen at any yeah. time. Those are the challenges. That's the mix up. So at that time, when he said it, I probably should have dropped him then. <laughs> Tired and tie in value. What she say? Loving my high value self and knowing that you are enough. I should have took my little purse. Or as my granny said, your pocketbook and laugh. Because okay. that, it never went well after, after that. Yeah, it was always something because he was looking at the long picture. And I am one, you know, I didn't have to care give for my spouse, but I had to care give for my mom and my grandmother. Like you said, you had to do it for your husband. You didn't say, oh, I'm out of here. <laughs> After the doctor gave him the diagnosis, all those times. Listen, on my for, in my 40th birthday year, when I'm ready to like, I'm ready to get back to and have a party. And I'm like, what? I'm a caregiver? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, and I don't hear that often. You know, even for some of the widows, when they talking about it, all of them stayed because they honored that vibe. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? So that is very key what he said about I, I I definitely would ask or put it in a way to see where their mind is at because some people live in a bubble and in that bubble they kind of that kind of keeps them sane. They don't deal reality is too much for some people, or you know, real being realistic about things. You don't have to be what's the uh pessimistic to still, you know, have optimistic values. But you do have to be real with yourself. Mm-hmm. Okay, when I get married, this is for real. This is what this is. This is and, what and this here, is. And here's the thing. Sometimes, too, you have to think about that, too, mm-hmm. before you go out there saying you want to get married. Because a lot right. of people want to get married because they want companionship. You know, they don't want to be alone and things mm-hmm. like that. But it's like you have to really look at those vows and ask yourself, is this what you want? You know, because how you start off that relationship, you know, your current health, you know, our health as we get older, it's going to deteriorate. You know, even if you Mm -hmm. don't, even if you're blessed, you know, not to get any diagnosis and things like that, our bodies are not, they weren't made to be the same as they were 20 years ago. You know, my knee hurt right now when I walk upstairs at my job. It's like, oh, I feel that little knee. 
You know, so <laughs> feel that girl, I, I feel it. I'd be like, oh my goodness. I'm like, and I just always thinking about how as you get older, you know, you get a little more aches and pains that seem to come out of nowhere. You know, so you need to think, am I ready for marriage? Am I ready for marriage? Not for just what I want to receive, but for what is necessary for me to give, you know? So I want to ask real quickly before we wrap things up, did you have a favorite chapter in this book? I know it was so many, but. Oh, let me see. (laughs) I got to sit down here because I, you know, I did clips and uh, bookmarks. So I think. one of them was, even though it triggered me, it was the reje- um, it was the rejection, but I it's the rejection is a redirection. So mm. learning to be, you know, good with that, you know, rejection and redirecting. I felt like that was so key. And then um also um I think it was chapter four. Um write down, write your visions down, you know, write your values and what are your negotiables and what are not your negotiables. Like you were saying earlier, those are things that I felt like, you know, were really good. And then, I mean, I like all of it. Listen, I know I said, I said one chapter, you like, I like this one. I like that. Yeah, I like all of it. I love my high value self. And then just understanding, like, you know, towards the end, I think she was saying that you're you are the one. You know what I'm saying? You're the one. Don't ever think you're not enough. You're the you're the enough. You are enough. Loving my high value self. Not yeah, settling to end love. Love is you. You are enough. Like you are enough. Like well, I'm gonna say my favorite, I think, even though the whole entire book spoke to me. <laughs> Yeah. Even the only only thing that I will say, one thing that I don't feel that I I did, because a lot of what she was saying in the book, and I think it's because so many women do have this problem as far mm-hmm. as um not looking at what a, how a man treats you. Like we put their words over their actions, and one of the favorite oh. things I love that ah. she said. Because, you know, we, we want closure. We want understanding. We want to try to force them to say stuff mm-hmm. to us. Tell me that. Tell me you don't want to be with me anymore. They don't want to tell you that because mm-hmm. that would that that takes courage to be able to say oh, how you say really it again. feel. Say right? it again. That that takes courage. They but they again. don't want. I don't think they heard you. Say it again. That takes courage. courage. So what they do. Lie. Right. So what they'll <laughs> do is tell you what you want to hear. But there is no denying the action. So what Faith said in the book, she said the the answer to your questions that you have, it lies between the difference between their actions and their words. If those actions and words are not mixing, if they're not matching, if they're not aligned, Mm -hmm. that right there is your key to leave. If you and like she said, if you have to ask yourself where you stand with the man. You already know the answer right there because she said real men, they're going to let you know where you stand. And and not only are they going to tell you, they're going to show you. So if you're dealing with somebody, they don't call you. They only call you once a week or something like that. And you calling them, leaving messages. They don't call you back. That's saying a lot. That's saying a whole lot more than the words that they can say. Because they get on that phone and they know how to wine and dine you with the right words. 
So I love that. I love, love that, you know, because so, yeah. So when I would hear her talk about like the women, you know, when you're trying to make a relationship out of something based on their words, but not their actions. I don't feel that I suffer from that as much. I just have a lot. Of, I have a lot of fears and stuff. And so the relation, the, the section that spoke the most to me was the ones called strong, independent women. And the men mm. who love them. Now, mind you, when I read that at first, I was like, oh, I'm excited. I'm about to find out about the men who love me. I thought Faith was about to give me some feel-good stuff. Mm-mm, but no, mm-mm. no, mm-mm, mm-mm, no, she did not. I What I got out of this chapter is, okay, girl, when I got to the ego part, <gasps> she said, I'm going to read this. Ego tells you that mm. you don't have to do something for your man. Love reminds you that you want to do things for someone special that you care for. Ego tells you that you don't owe him an explanation. Mm -hmm. Love reminds you that you have nothing to hide from someone you trust. Ego tells you that you always have to have a backup plan. Mm -hmm. Love reminds you that if you give it your all, you'll never have to wonder if you didn't try hard enough. I'm going to stop right there because that right there, when she said ego tells you, no, no, not that ego tells you that you always have to have a backup plan. Let me tell you, I am the queen of backup plans. Yeah, (laughs) I'm the queen. And I even think about it when I talk to my daughter and she talks to me, you know, like about her relationship and things like that. And I Mm -hmm. find myself, you know, and I'm saying, no, you just got to, yo, have your backup plan, you know. And then I tell her, I said, well, honey, don't listen to your mama. Because I said, I'm not married, you know. And clearly, you know, I've been divorced twice. You know, my marriage with my late husband, it was definitely not ideal. I said, so when I tell you things, that's only what I was doing. But when you open up yourself, because this is when I realized when reading that chapter, it was kind of like, ooh. I got some things I need to work on because if you don't make yourself fully vulnerable, if you don't give yourself fully to a relationship that you're trying Mm -hmm. to be in, then how can you expect to be successful if you're in it, but then you're waiting for the shoe to drop like, okay, or you're always questioning and looking around the corner like, okay, did he really mean that? All of that. That's how I have been operating in, in my relationship, even with my husband. All through my relationship with my husband, at different times, I was questioning how he really felt about me, you know? Mm -hmm. And that was because of a hurt that I had years ago that I never truly healed from. And I think after that hurt that I had, I think I made up in my mind that I was just not going to allow myself to be in that position to be that hurt again. But that's also the last time that I was my most vulnerable. And that was like 20 years ago. That was 20 years ago. And I've been in relationships over the last 20 years. So if they weren't good, I had to accept responsibility for the fact that they weren't as good as I wanted them to be because of a Mm -hmm. lot of reasons. Part of that was my fear. But then also a part of that was not taking the time to make sure that I was choosing men that met me where I was and also wanted to go where I wanted to go. In terms of what kind of life do you want to live? You have to ask those kind of questions before you just jump into relationships to make sure. You know, if you with somebody, they don't want to do nothing. No, I'm good where I am. No, I Mm -hmm. want a man who is trying to grow. 
you should never just, I mean, I'm glad you have to accept where you are and who you are as a person, but I think there's always room for growth, you know, and development. So that's what I would be looking for in a partner. Like you have to be somebody that wants to grow because I'm always growing. So I need somebody else who's going to be growing too, or Mm. you're going to be looking at me and I'm going to be looking at you like, what's the problem here? (laughs) But yeah. I always say be vulnerable with caution and ego is sometimes created after a hurt has happened. So I think Faith hit it on the nail. The ego told you. Girl, I read that. <laughs> that was your, that was your, uh, your shield. Your shield comes up. Your yeah, ego. girl, I, I had to close the book on that one. I said, "Oh shoot, okay." <laughs> I, I, I never <laughs> no, thought I gotta close the book because <laughs> I'm thinking I would not hey, have don't thought talk about me. I would have never <laughs> thought I had an ego problem, and that's another thing she's saying in the book. She says everybody has ego. We all have it. But it's about whether it's positive or negative. So mm-hmm. your ego was two different things, you know. So I was like, oh, I got some work to do on myself. So this was like, I would have to say to date right now, mm-hmm. this is my favorite book of 2022. Mm. Yeah. This, it was this, definitely one that was kind of, I'm still recovering from it. <laughs> she opened up the store and I think it's just like, between her and COVID, they both came at me like pop pop. Yeah, um, and, and I'm but, also recommending it. Like, yeah, all of my it's friends, definitely. I'm telling people like, you need this book. <laughs> it, it helps in your healing process. Mm-hmm. If you're someone who's still in between the fence of dating, if you're still in between the fence of grief or anything, you'd be surprised. Grief feeds off of other hurts. Yeah, yeah. Grief feeds off of other hurts. So definitely, um, you probably like, well, girl, I'm grieving. I ain't dating. But I still would say read it. I think any... Some Matter of fact, that's, out here that's are, the time to read it. The time yeah. to read it is before you start dating. The so that you can see it. what you yeah. need to fix about yourself and face about yourself. Just receive a book like that is when you're, you're most vulnerable. And right now, um, I feel like when you're going through grief, that's your vulnerable. You're vulnerable at that moment when you're grieving. And so you're you're able to receive it. Yeah. And when so, you're not. Yeah. So this has been a great book, and I look forward to our next book chat. So yeah. look, look, book to be disclosed later. I don't think we've chosen one yet, but no. Nope. This is great. Send us another one, and uh, my sister, uh, what I call it, sister Claire. All right. So until next time. Until next time. Bye. Bye bye.